Hello, and welcome to the Uncommon Journey podcast. I'm Joel Skinner, and today I want to do something a little bit different. Oftentimes I have a much more comprehensive, <clears throat> kind of a long-form thought to share with you, and today what I want to do is actually just build off the last conversation, the last episode, and <clears throat> talk about really what these often lofty or kind of uh, conceptual thoughts um, what they actually mean in, in real life. I'd like to just have a little bit of a more of a freeform conversation, although it's just a monologue because it's just me. Although in the future, I would love to have some of the people on here to have a conversation with about this stuff. Um, but I want to talk about what this is like just practically, as practical as, as I can be, because um, that can be hard for me sometimes. So <clears throat> we were talking about connecting with God. What are the practical implications of what we were talking about? We had a great conversation um, the last Thursday gathering, and boy, it just brought so many thoughts to mind about where this actually lands. So I think I'd like to start actually with Pharisees, because that's where Evelyn Underhill leaves off at the end of her chapter. She tells the story of the Pharisee and the publican. Um, <clears throat> so here's a funny question. Were the Pharisees all really just like wicked, arrogant, heartless uh, jerks? <laughs> like, is that who they all were? Um, I tend not to think so. I'm sure there were some. There's some in every, in, in every group, in every batch, of course. Um, but maybe, um, maybe the writer, let's say, of Luke had a bit more of an agenda, um, did not like the Pharisees or maybe Jews in general, and was writing to a Gentile audience, possibly. Um, so what if we look at Jesus' words like the woes to the Pharisees, woe to you Pharisees, for yada, yada, yada as more like, uh, less just infused with, I don't know, ire, and more infused with just observation about reality. So what is being observed about the Pharisees in general? They are <clears throat> fastidious about their religious practice. But the problem, Jesus says, is there's, they're just not connecting to God. How can that be? How can someone be so, and let's say with the best of intentions, so detailed, so like going down to the smallest bits and pieces. You know, the, the, the Gospels talk about tithing on their, their spices, you know, um, being careful about, you know, all the Sabbath rules. They're, they're just being super aware and careful of not trying to break the rules. This is their practice. This, these are their disciplines, but they're not connecting to God. How can this be? Well, Jesus says they're simply just not doing the, the thing that is what God's kingdom is doing. They're busy doing something else. What else are they doing? Um, I like the phrase, the kingdom of me. They're kind of busy on their own projects of themselves. My prayer, my practice, my holiness, my repentance, my religion, me, 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 me. But as we in the evangelical world have talked about for a long time, um, <clears throat> the world that I grew up in. Of course, being right is not about our performance. It's not about what we're doing. Um, although righteousness, or what I'm calling being right, does certainly affect what you do and what I do. But it is not primarily based on the rights and wrongs of doing the right thing and not doing the wrong thing. It is fundamentally based on how we relate to reality, how we relate to what is really real, which is the kingdom of God. 
So the goal of all the various practices, religious spiritual practices that we might do, is not to get good at spiritual practices. And this is one of those tricky things that's really hard for our brains. We think, okay, I'm going to sit and pray or journal or do all the things that we do, read the Bible, and I'm going to get good at doing these things. But actually, the point of doing them is not to get good at them, although that might be a byproduct, <laughs> might not. Instead, the, the point of doing them is to change how we will relate to the world. It's supposed to change something about how we interact with the world, both physical and spiritual. What I mean by that is, it's supposed to change how I see, perceive, and relate to myself, how I see, perceive, or relate to everything around me, and of course, how it all connects, and God. So let's talk about spiritual practices for a second. Again, just trying to be as practical as we can. What are the spiritual practices that most Christians do? Things like going to church, um, which <clears throat> involves worship, maybe prayer, reading the Bible, studying the Bible. Um, if you expand out a little bit, um, you can talk about meditation, meditating on certain truths, good things, or meditation in the sense of like letting go of thoughts. You talk about spending time in nature as a meditation. You could also talk about the discipline, uh, the practice of service, just serving other people, of celebration, celebrating the goodness of life and the things that God has done, um, God's goodness expressed in our lives in all, all of its various ways. Um, our commitment to friendship is a spiritual practice. Commitment to healthy accountability is a spiritual practice. We go on and on and on. Why do we do all these things? <clears throat> Is this ultimately all just my personal um, growth project or my personal holiness project? Is this about me um, really focusing on making myself better? I think that if it is, we fall into the Pharisees, the same trap the Pharisees fell into, and we just don't get very far because we're doing the wrong thing. We might have the best of intentions, but we're just not getting anywhere. So. To start with the right intention, which is, I want to be good, that's great. Um, but to head down the wrong path is what the Pharisees were doing. Good intention, wrong path. Um, now, I know uh, that there are many people who feel like when they discover that their religious practices, their spiritual practices are not getting them anywhere, things like going to church or maybe reading the Bible are actually not helping then they sort of just abandon all spiritual practice. Um, that's a huge mistake. Um, we actually need to commit ourselves to spiritual practices and to be engaged in spiritual practices. So what is the other path? Rather than having a good intention and going down the wrong path, what's, what's a better path? A better path is the path of learning to let go, surrender, or die to ourselves, as Jesus talked about. It's the whole path of the cross. Now. It, you could think that doing like very religious things looks like dying to self, but actually it can easily just be another expression of living for self. So dying to the kingdom of me means that whatever is putting me at the top and making other people or things or whatever serve me, in other words, this is all ultimately a project to help me, to focus on me, is having to die. Instead, all the spiritual practices or the things I'm doing should ultimately put me at the service of others and eventually of everyone, which is exactly what Jesus talked about and how Jesus lived. So this is hugely important. I have to find out 
how can I do these things that I believe are important without having the goal of having it be all about fixing myself or making me better? I have to figure out how to do these things to commit to them, but to let go um, of the me project. So, yes, I want to have a different experience in life. Yes, I want to have a different kind of effect on the world. I want to have a Jesus-y effect on the world. But in order to do that, I have to figure out how do I detach myself, particularly my sense of self-worth, my identity, from that project, that whatever that growth project is. Well, um, how do I know if I'm actually being detached in that healthy way? I think one of the best uh, tests or the best ways that you can examine this for yourself, anybody, is to ask yourself, what happens when I fail? So, when I fail, when I become aware that I'm not being successful in whatever I'm trying to do or defining success however I define it, maybe it's a spiritual practice, whatever, how do I respond? What is my response? And there can be a whole wide variety of responses. Another question would be like, how much does that failure really bother me? And that can show up in a lot of ways. Some of us can get depressed because we failed. Some of us can kind of just shut down and ignore it. Some of us tend to just try harder, whatever. What's your response to that failure? How much does it bother you? How long does it take you to get back on the horse? Let's say you committed to doing a a certain practice and and you fell off the wagon, you quit, um, and now you're aware that you're not doing what you had decided to do. How long does it take you to kind of get back up and just start going again? Uh, how much do you resist committing to something because you're afraid that you'll eventually fail at it and so you just don't commit? Um, so, uh, w- one last question, one last way of evaluating your, your relationship to failure. How totally honest are you with somebody else about how you're actually doing in these things you're attempting? So, we call it your process. So I would say I would sit down and I would share, this is where I'm at with this process. How brutally honest am I willing to be? How much do I sugarcoat it? How much do I make it sound better than it is? All this will tell me about my relationship to failure. Now, any practice may have like a specific target. You may say, okay, I want to grow in humility. Like, so I'm going to engage in this certain practice. Or I want to engage in some emotional healing. So I'm going to do this certain practice. Or I want to focus less on myself. So I'm going to have a practice and a commitment of serving other people or whatever, on and on and on. But all practices, all, any, any discipline that we commit ourselves to in this sense of following Jesus in the life of the Spirit, they all have a foundational purpose, which is to help us detach our self-worth from our ability to do the thing that is our performance, often detected as our relationship to failure. In fact, I've heard the description of the, the contemplative life, which is sometimes used to describe what monks are doing or nuns are doing in their communities, is just falling down and getting back up all day long. <laughs> um, I also heard Thomas Keating, um, who was a monk, and he developed a centering prayer teaching about how to do that. Someone came to him and said, I, you know, I try to do centering prayer, and I just have 10,000, you know, of thoughts coming and invading my mind. And he said, wonderful, you have 10,000 opportunities to return to God. The point being that our failure is not a problem. 
Failure is actually the opportunity to learn that failure doesn't matter to God. That is the fundamental thing we're learning to let go of in our disciplines. If I approach any kind of committed practice or discipline with the idea that I'm going to do it great, then as soon as I don't do it great, I'm upset with myself and I realize I've actually been heading down the wrong path the whole time. But if I'm able to engage it and to fail and can just continue and to recognize this is not about me, this is about something else, then it actually becomes useful. Because I'm doing the thing that is what the kingdom of God is all about, which is not about faith in myself, my ability to do it. It's building faith in God. So that's something I'd like to talk about here for a minute. Faith is, I think, best thought about as confidence or reliance on something. So not belief, but fully confident or reliant on it. So I'm sitting in a chair. I have faith in this chair because I'm sitting on it and I'm trusting, confident, and reliant on the fact that it's going to hold me here. Connecting to God is learning to live in the reality of my complete reliance on God for everything, because that's already the case. That's reality. Without God's uh, sustaining love, I would not exist. Without God willing me to exist, I would not be here. The problem is I just don't believe that I'm that dependent on God. I think that I can handle things on my own, and so I tend to build faith, try to build faith in myself, and then get super disappointed when I let myself down. That's my relationship to failure. Spiritual practices show me that my salvation, this process of God delivering me from my me-centeredness, showing me that I don't have to be perfect, that I can actually make huge mistakes with the best of intentions, and God will absolutely be taking care of me. Spiritual practices require my effort and intention, but ultimately they are dependent, just like everything else in reality and in life, on God's grace and goodness. And if you haven't heard the term prevenient grace, it's worth, some, it's worth thinking about. It's the idea that it's sort of the grace before I recognize the grace. It's the grace that allows me to do what I need to do to get in touch with the grace. It sort of says, yeah, I'm putting in effort, and there's a part that I play in this, but even that effort is a grace, prevenient grace. So over time, if we will commit ourselves to this mindset, to this attitude that ultimately everything is dependent on God, then we will see that we're progressing in the midst of our failure. And you can see right away how that will be such a problem If you have a bad relationship with failure because you will not progress, what will happen is you will fail, you'll fall off the wagon, and then at some point in the future, maybe, if you don't just quit altogether, you'll decide to try something again. But you'll try it with the same attitude that you tried it with before. You won't get very far, you'll fail. And instead of letting that failure be the thing that frees you from faith in yourself and allows you to develop a faith in God as you continue to fail forward, It'll be the thing that keeps starting you over and over and over in the same spot. So, we have to accept our inability and our failure as necessary and as an integral part of the process. It doesn't mean we will always fail forever at everything. It just means that we have to be okay with failure. Why? Well, because if we're honest, if we're willing to be honest, failure will teach us to rely on God instead of relying on ourselves. In other words, I would be super tempted to rely on my ability 
to pray, my ability to read the Bible and get something great out of it, my ability to serve someone and to notice that they really appreciated my service, on and on and on and on and on. Instead of relying on the God who is actually making all of this possible and is, according to Scripture, which I think this is super important, looking at the intention, the heart. What is the heart behind this? And supporting and encouraging and building us up from that place of the heart. The mystics are insistent on this, that over time, if we will commit ourselves, even in the midst of failure, even in the midst of not knowing, not feeling, not experiencing, just just the dry times, right? We will discover that God is working all along and we will be delivered, saved, from this ridiculous deception that this is really all about us. It will become no longer my project, where it's my salvation is my project, my prayer, my holiness, my righteousness, on and on and on. I am God's project. We are all God's project. And then the the journey then will be one of enjoyment and freedom and, you know, all all the good things. Not that it won't be hard, not that there won't be challenges and failures, but that they won't derail us. So, as I'm saying, practices are essential. Doing them, committing to them, not giving them up, no matter how we feel or don't feel or experience or don't experience something. The point is doing them in faith. Meaning, I believe that this is what the Spirit is leading me to do, and I'm going to commit to it until the Spirit tells me to stop. (laughs) Now that sounds maybe different than something you've heard before, and yet the, the writings of the mystics are full of this kind of stuff. And if you're not familiar with the mystics, it's a lot of the people that get quoted all the time, but most people never read. People like Teresa of Avila, or St. John of the Cross, or Meister Eckhart, or those kind of folks who people have read and listened to. Um, the church has sort of treasured, but often not put into practice their actual teachings. Um, The last thing I'd like to just talk about is how does this kind of activity translate into the rest of life, because I'm trying to be practical here. Spiritual disciplines are focused training sessions, okay? So it's like I'm sitting down and I'm going to train this specific, in this specific way, in this specific thing, in a spiritual sense. But of course, the real test and the real, you know, activity of life is wherever we're doing our daily work. It's wherever we're doing the stuff that is most of our life. So how do we do our lives, work and everything else, with this same kind of faith, the same reliance and confidence on God? Well, one thing we should just recognize is that the pressure, stress, stress, anxiety, etc., that is created by all the things that we're doing is ultimately based on a false narrative. And that narrative is, it all depends on me, my performance, my ability, my skill. I've got to do this. I've got to make it work. It's all on my shoulders. My project not God's project. But spiritual practices can actually be the thing that teaches how to approach the rest of life with the same attitude of, watch me fail. (laughs) With the best of intentions, I'm going to do the best I can, and I'm going to fail. And rather than hiding from my failure, or hiding it from other people, or kind of shrinking back from life, instead, I'm just going to fail forward and trust That as I do the things that I believe God has given me to do, and as I do them in faith, that is, not faith in myself and expecting myself to be able to do it, but faith that God is working whether I know it or not. 
and that any and all good that might come from this is coming from God, if I can engage the rest of my life with that same attitude that I'm practicing in my spiritual disciplines or practices, I can discover that I get to be a willing and active participant. And the the benefits of this are manifold. I mean, there are so, so many. Life itself becomes an enjoyment in being a part of what God is doing and discovering these greater things that are happening. The pressure, the weight, all the things that our society puts on us can actually be lifted and we can experience hope, joy, peace, all those things that we hear about in the scriptures. So my whole life then gets to be about learning to be what is essentially a co-operator with God. I, I practice my communion with God and my disciplines, but really those become like a link to the rest of my life of learning how to operate, co-operate with God. First, I'm learning how to do it in my own soul, and then I'm learning how to do it out in the rest of life, which this is the big topic for the next episode, which is going to be how do we how do we cooperate? What does it mean to cooperate cooperate with God? And then for those who are in the area and able to join us for the next uh, Thursday evening discussion, which will be the last Thursday of the month, you'll be able to come and we'll have a conversation about this. But for now, I just want to encourage you to stay committed to your practice, um, to enlist the help and encouragement of somebody that you really trust and you know that is ultimately for you and isn't going to suck you into this kind of just try a harder mentality. And make those practices, however simple they are, whatever it is that you're committing yourself to as a discipline, um, make it your training ground for learning how to trust God, how to rely on God to do something rather than yourself. I'm uh, glad you're listening. I hope you're finding this helpful. Um, I encourage you, if you haven't yet, to join our little online activities um, in the Circles app, and I'll put the link in the notes if you want to go join there. It's open access to everybody to access that page at circles.so or in the Circles app. But if you want to get notifications, and I think if you want to post and stuff, you might need to actually um, create a little login so you can actually join the groups. And then. This month, we'll get together and we'll have a great chat and we'll hang out and have some soup on the last Thursday of the month and engage in a great conversation. So hopefully I'll get to see you soon. I hope you are well and we'll be back soon with another episode about cooperation with God.